Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the In the Paint Show, presented by Ball is Life. Ani Umana here with Ronnie Flores. Another episode 127. We keep moving along. Ani, how's everything going? Oh, man, everything's good. It's a it's a slow Tuesday. Uh, yeah. It's a day off, so I'm enjoying it. Working from home. Yeah. Good to relax. How about you? Yeah, me too. Uh, working from home and, and following the NBA a little bit. Obviously, got off a live period weekend where it's going to be the focus of Today's show, we obviously want to talk about prospects. I think that's what people like to hear from us. Sure. You know, they like to hear what's going on with the NBA, college, and this other stuff. But obviously, the young players is what people, uh, you know, kind of follow us for. And, and we're going to give them that and also give our spill on the players that we followed because we have a announcement for National Player of the Year. And it's very interesting. kind of parallels what's coming up with the NBA draft, who won the award two years ago when Cade Cunningham won the award and we'll get right into it. So let's, let's start off with that. Let's start off with the national player of the year for 2020, 2021 and 2022, obviously 2021, 22 season just completed. So it is Duke bound Derek Whitehead earns Mr. Basketball USA. I've been doing a tracker for now the 15 years and we've been naming the player of the year for, for longer than that. Very interesting, Ani. He's the fourth player from Montverde in the last eight seasons. He outpointed Derek Lively, who's also going to do, he's going to be his future teammate from Westtown School in Pennsylvania by 21 points. So Derek got seven of the 10 first place votes from the panel. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Derek and Keontae George are only two candidates to appear on all the 10 ballots. Even though Keontae George didn't get a number one vote, he was consistently on the ballot. I'm looking at him right now. He got eight eight points, uh, which is third place three times. He got a second place vote, got a couple fourth place votes, but everybody voted for him. One one guy didn't like Derek Lively at all. And then, like I said, Derek got seven of the 10 first place votes. Uh, what's your just highline take on that? Uh, obviously, are you, uh, you know, you know, does that uh, make any, any sense to you? Does the voting... There's 24 guys that got votes, a little wide open. Obviously, there's not a dominant Chet Holmgren type guy. And, and maybe there's not even a dominant Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes type guy. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the uh, the player of the year uh, kind of voting is very similar to, like, the Geico. Like, there wasn't a there wasn't a true, like, number one or a clear-cut favorite like you had in years past. Um, I like it with Dorit. I mean, Monverde won. Uh, he was the best player on that team. Uh, so, I mean, makes sense. Best player on the team that won the Geico Nationals. He's been one of the most consistent players on that team, one of the most consistent players in the in the in the country. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, and I like I like Keontae a lot. I thought Keontae uh, really did himself well going IMG and playing well. I thought he was fairly consistent for the most part too. But it's interesting, like one one not even having lively at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought I, I, I thought that's kind of crazy. I thought Lively, especially in those national TV games where I forgot yeah. who they play, but I thought he did good. I thought uh, I thought he was very consistent for the most part. But I agree with Derek Lively. I understand it. I guess Correct. for me, I never really had a clear cut number one. I would say prior to would be Grady Dick before Sunrise lost sure. in the first round. But uh, yeah, I mean, one guy go, you know, 
top, you know, arguably a top team in the country, even though obviously we have Dunkinville. I believe it's Dunkinville number one, but uh, he's been one of the most consistent players in the country. So it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about Lively. He uh, averaged about 14 and 14 and five, which is good. Not, you know, wow, great. But again, right. he's not playing on a team like like Dariq. Dariq, uh, you know, his averages are pretty consistent and, and fair. He did step up, remember, because last year uh, Jalen Duran was the junior player of the year, and it looked like he was going to lead this team. And him leading to Memphis – along with Imani Bates, who was in the running last year but didn't have the great season that he had. Obviously, Jalen was the junior winner, and Chet Holmgren was the national player of the year. When they classed up, that's what kind of opened up this wide-open race in 221-222. Dariq came in at number five in the preseason. He appeared on six ballots. Derek led that. So, yeah, you know, like you said, I think uh, Dariq's, performances in the all-star games and some panelists had mentioned that that their performance in the all-star games kind of put him over the top he was named mvp at mcdonald's he had 13 7 and 7 he did play well and he did really well for team usa at the nike hoop summit i thought he shot it really well he just looked like the leader and one of the best players and he said over the years this to me Drake, like not making that 16 new usa team kind of really mm-hmm. like pushed him to get better you know he, he made he was always at mont birdie since eighth grade, so he's you've seen the him grow there, and he was on that great team. We talk about NBA rookie of the year, and you and Chelsea were right on it. You guys were like, nah, Evan's gonna win, but like Scotty Barnes pulled it out like in a close vote. Very and he was on that team with with uh Scotty with Cade Cunningham, who was third in the NBA rookie of the year, and here he is a national player of the year, and he was on the bench. But he did average between – they had seven guys that year average between eight points and 13 points. Kate averaged like 13.9. Scotty averaged like 11.6. But, you know, Scotty kind of like mirrored what he did this year. You know, Scotty on that team – let me pull this up. Like, you know, Scotty was second in rebounding on that great team, 6.5. 4.6 assists was second on the team. Deflections, 1.7 deflections. 1.9 steals. So again, Barnes had a that kind of showed in the NBA, like like Chelsea said uh last week, like he was just a great fit in Toronto. So were you kind of surprised by that voting? Or did you really think like oh Kate Kate won, that's really good? Or you you were still thinking Evan was gonna win? Oh, uh, you talking this rookie of the year? Yeah. Um I thought Evan was going to win it be just because so much of impact defensively. I thought if, if Scotty had a chance, it would be because Toronto's in the playoffs. Sure. And, uh, you know, shout out to him for playing through that injury, the injury right now. I mean, uh, they didn't really do much that the, uh, game through, uh, was that game four as offensively, but had 11 rebounds, gets a lot done. But anyways, like I was surprised. I thought Evan Mobley just got so much done during the season. Scotty, I thought Scotty was the best rookie, uh, but I thought Evan Mobley, you just couldn't deny, especially like the first half of the year impact that he made. Kind of like how LaMelo Ball really yeah. kind of won it last year from like his that first half of the season, uh, that rookie year. But, uh, you know, well-deserved, Scotty. I, I, it was it didn't surprise me that it was that close because I thought Scotty really covered some ground. And uh, 
you know, shit, you got two kids that are going to be NBA All-Stars. <laughs> so we have yeah. got I mean, there are no brainers going to be All-Stars, you know. Correct. And then you got Cade, who kind of started slow. Mm-hmm. And he was voted by the panel the best player on that Monverde team over, over Scotty. And get it, they would have been good without Scotty. They added Scotty late. Right. And that just kind of put them over the top. Like, this is a really good team. Now, this is a great team. Like, one of the best ever. And, and again, we've talked about that before we had – a previous episode where you can go back and look at it where we talked to Kevin Boyle and, and Steve Smith and and we talked to uh, Herman on the Baltimore team and Steve Bake from Chino Hills. Had them all on talking about how great. And now you look at that Montverde team, it's like they just keep getting more and more accolades. Like Derek Whitehead doesn't even start and now he's a national player of the year. So that very cool, you know, we're, we're, congratulations to Derek and his family. I know he's won some couple other national player of the year honor. So he he won this one fair and square by yeah. by voting. And like I said, he just kept getting better. And and his uh average 10.4 on last year with, with Jalen and that and that team. And um you know Jalen Duran finished third in the voting last year. Obviously Chet was the winner and Jabari Smith was second. Does anybody else's uh you know being on the list surprised you for this year. I don't know if you saw the, the voting, but like you said, Keontae was was uh third in the voting was solid. Fourth was uh Nick Smith from Little Rock, Arkansas. Fifth was DJ Wagner, who appeared on eight bats. Again, a lot of people like DJ Wagner across the board. He had three third place votes, and everybody else had him had him pretty low. And then Casey Wallace came in sixth place, yeah. six ballots even as high as a, as a third place vote. So did any other, uh, anything else surprise you about guys who are going to be on the all American team? Uh, not, not, nothing, nothing really so surprising. You can yeah. tell like guys like DJ Wagner yeah. kind of look at it. Like guys like DJ Wagner would have had a real good chance of winning yeah. it. You know, had a slow start on that yeah. season, you know, took some yeah. losses early and then that bad one, I guess that was Calvary. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's no surprise, but it's very interesting. It's like you see some of those pivotal games that yeah. some of you guys had. Like, you know, what if Kaysen, you know, doesn't lose to McKinney early and they get to the <laughs> get to the state, you know, finals, then he has a big game against Duncanville. Or what if, you know, DJ has yeah. to have a slow start uh, yeah. during the season? You know, like some of those things, do, does Derek still win it? I guess I'm like kind yeah. of a what if guy, but it's not yeah. surprising about the standings, just like, it's like, you know, Correct. A couple games here and there could have changed a lot on that voting. For sure, this year. Correct. So that's why Derek playing good against Link in that final game, playing good in those All-Star games made a big difference. Like you said, if Kaysen, if they get back and actually play Duncanville, beat them, knock them off, then he's looked at differently. I agree because very interesting, Ronald Holland, he only got two votes on two pounds. You know, the only guys two because, again, maybe the balance of the team. And then one guy did like Anthony Black. But again, I think it just shows to the balance of that team. You know, they had other right. guys slip up. They had a bunch of guys average between about eight and nine points too. Ashton Hardaway, a few other guys average eight, nine points, similar to that Monverde team. Obviously, my Monverde team might have been a little more talented, but it's still the same makeup. Bunch of guys averaging between like eight and thirteen points. Right. What do you think of? What do you think of? Uh, you know, they, they mentioned you know Derek White has played in those all those All Star games. Well, I'm gonna say All Star games like the McDonald's and the oh, Summit. Sure. I feel like Nike Who Summit is a little bit more of a competitive. Like as far as the game, I think the practices, McDonald's, and the scrimmages yeah. are more competitive than the game. Well, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think 
Yeah, when I saw the the I, the Nike Hoop Summit was a big factor. Like you know, mm-hmm. going five for seven from three, them winning the game. You know, you want to try to show good against NBA scouts. I think that made a, a big difference. And I think that's again the the panelists went all the way to then. I try to stress to them: consider everything. Don't just make your vote up in December. Yeah. You know what I mean? In January mm-hmm. or whatever. Like consider it all. All. You know, again, Derek averaged seventeen point one points, five point one rebounds, three point eight assists on the season. That's Pretty high numbers for Montverde guys. You know, they usually have a lot of balance. And then him scoring 17 points and hitting those five or seven threes in the Nike Hoop Summit. A couple, And I'll just read what the couple panelists said. Um, this is uh, Van Coleman. He's, uh, I believe there's very little separation between one and ten. Yeah. No clear-cut best combination of player talent and season production. This is one of the toughest voting in years, likely due to the class hopping and, and guys going pro. So kind of what we, we mentioned about uh, Jalen and, and um, Amani leaving, that kind of open. Same thing with Frank Burleson of Burleson of Basketball. This was a t- perhaps the toughest selections ever. Not one or two or even three clear cuts, number ones. I gave Whitehead the nod because Monverde won it all at the prep school level, and he was very good in, in his key games as well as the all-star circuit. So kind of mi- echoes what you're saying. So I think the Nike Hoop Summit, like you said, because of competitive nature made a big difference, and I'm, I'm glad the panelists took that in into account because it was a – open race from the beginning and there's a lot of guys so go to ballslife.com check that out you can check out all the um you know the the results and who who, who made it and now make up most of our all-american team come upcoming on ballslife.com again 24 guys got votes uh so you might you mentioned injury and scotty barnes and you know he obviously toronto's trying to gut it out and uh you know toronto you know, it was down us there again. We talked about Doc Rivers. You know, they three one lead. Not <laughs> holding. You know, Toronto's battling, but then you go to Ben Simmons, who's the two fifteen winner, and Ben Simmons was unanimous winner. Uh, R.J. Barrett won in two eighteen and Monverde K two years ago, and Derek this year. So go back to Ben Simmons. He's obviously one of the best high school players of the last ten or fifteen years. Again, he wasn't really bought into LSU. Charles Barkley kind of mentioned right. that. Others mentioned he wasn't really bought in at LSU. He's having this problem. So, like, then he doesn't come back. What I don't understand is everybody's, like, player rights. The players, you know, they're more than athletes. Now everybody's, like, just turning out. They don't give a shit about that more than athletes. Like, God damn, he's useless. He's not. He's getting paid a lot of money. So, it's like, where does he stand in all this? I mean, what's your take on it? Uh, I just think, like you said, I remember when he was at LSU and they, there was problems there. Uh, just with the lack of commitment. Uh, Correct. I, I just think I, I you question his love for basketball, and it's not something that came all of a sudden. It's not yeah. when he got hurt. I know they're yeah. mentioning mental illness, mental mental health, and, you know, that is a serious issue, but he he really just suffers from just questionable love for the game. Okay. Um, yeah. At the end of the That's day, fair. I mean, That's fair. He, he doesn't he – doesn't, if he knew if he played game four and they lost, yeah, and let's say he didn't play good, yeah. you know, and we got to think back into last year where he played so bad and they lost, yeah. he doesn't want what happened last year <laughs> where people blamed him for losing. People can't blame, people can, but he didn't put himself on the court to get blamed. Uh, but I just think he just doesn't. First off, the, the fact that he's still getting paid and he hasn't played in about a year and a half, like, I mean, we're just talking about a guy that doesn't really love basketball, in my opinion, that much. Okay. 
which is fine. I mean, there's probably a, a decent amount of gay guys that yeah, don't really love it. But for a guy like him, as talented as he was, remember him in high school, but even yeah. LSU, just some of the stuff he was doing, uh, to see him be at this point, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, really. It's sad and disappointing, yeah. You, yeah, like, but it's not, but it's not surprising. Not because, shocking, no. Yeah, it's not shocking. So uh, I just think he just doesn't really love basketball. And I think as long as he'll play out through this contract, I think rules, I think there's going to be contract adjustments <laughs> because we'll of all that. this. It's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll I think he, I think he not only negatively affect himself further, he yeah. negatively affected the next person that actually, you know, maybe have to really deal with some things, but because, you know, he's, at this point, stealing money, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. you know, they, they they can't have it. I mean, he he's just, yeah. he doesn't care to play. I won't be even surprised if he doesn't play the first game of next season. Wow. Just yeah. just I mean, he's hurt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah it just won't surprise me. That's going in on him, and that's going in the pain. That's what we're here for to have a strong take, and I have that take too. Like he's messing it up. You're saying like for the next guy who really does have some legitimate uh, problems or injuries or or, or mental issues. You know what I mean? That, that that that's for sure. And then he's uh also, you know, like you said, a lot of people worked hard to get NBA players to have a great life, first of all, to get paid well, and then to get paid guaranteed. So now you're you're you you're kind of taking that back. Like you said, the owners are gonna say, We're not paying you guys no more. Like you're it's gonna be known as the Ben Simmons rule. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's going to be known as the Ben Simmons rule. Like the owners are going to be like, yeah, you know, this is the owners are doing. Yeah. So we go to that collective bargaining table. We're going to have the leverage and guess what's going to happen on this time. The fans are going to be on their side. They're going to be like, yeah, you guys can't just pay these guys and not playing. Like they're going to get the leverage that all this leverage that the LeBron era worked for, you know, like the, we talked about like the players right. having the power in the LeBron era, like, Ben Simmons, the Ben Simmons. <laughs> you know, like people are not gonna go for the load management that you know, like people already don't like the load manager. You know, I'm a, I feel like I'm a hardworking dude. My dad and my parents are hardworking dudes. I can't go to an NBA game and the dude I want to watch ain't playing just because he ain't playing. Right. Like if he's legitimately injured, say you know he's out, out on for a month, I get it, he's injured, but like, you just sitting out. Like the fan, you know, I know Spurs kind of went through that with Ginobili and Parker. And those guys were like, that shit ain't going to fly forever. You know what I right. mean? Like, not yeah. at this level of money. You know what I mean? No, I mean, and you got to think about it. NBA tickets aren't cheap. <laughs> you know, for you yeah. to get NBA ticket, let's say you want to go watch, like, that's aren't cheap. To get a Dallas Mavericks ticket, a good ticket, it's not cheap. Like, I, I was at the I was at the playoff game, game two. I mean, those, those are very expensive. So imagine, like, paying all that money to go watch a playoff game and that player or, you know, let's say playoff, but just a regular season game or expensive. And he doesn't play because of load management. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's at some point. And then what is load management when he only plays like 10 games that year? Like, are we really doing load management or are we just like, you know, whatever? Like, yes. <laughs> like, what yeah. is like he had to miss 70, like what, 70 games? 72 yeah. games, that's load management? What are we talking yeah. about? Like That's not load management, yeah. So it, it hurts. We'll see what happens. We'll come back talk about the players. Then we want to talk about a little bit, jump into the um, our main in-the-paint topic, which is the grassroots scene. 
sure. and we're going to have a, a guest who's a coach on the grassroots level on the high school level, Bryce Fantasia from Modesto Christian High School in, in Northern California. And we're going to get his take. He was at, at the Under Armour Association. And, you know, we're Ani, talk about what you did and where you where you were. And then we'll, we'll jump into that a little bit. OK, yeah, I was in Dallas again this uh yeah. This weekend, uh, Great American Shootout. Uh, you know, it's so crazy. Uh, yeah. I had somebody in Indy as well for EYBL. Yeah. Uh, so I got my young guy, Mark Cooper. Um, but it's so interesting. Like, I would say the most valuable player outside of the transfer portal yeah. is a really good unsigned senior yeah. and a top 100 2023 kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized, like, this session was so different because there was so many coaches there to see an unsigned senior. Uh, obviously, we didn't have a lot of top one. Like, we had Houston Hoops, 16U, 15U, uh, uh, Live On, 15U, 16U. So, we had some really good yeah. young talent, but a lot of coaches came to see a really good 2022. Or, yeah. you know, there was like a top 100. There was like a really like a borderline high major 23 that just stayed. Correct. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's where I was at. How about you? Yeah, I was in Southern California. Like you said, there's some couple of players that coaches, they were out more a little bit, I think, than the first session. You know, they got maybe some of those transfer portal visits out of the way, or now they're locking in and getting ready for uh, the scholastic period and for the summer. They want to make their, you know, make the inroads on the guys. And the, the thing I try to tell people, and I'm going to say right here on the pod, it ain't like, oh, we're looking at portal guys, so we're not going to recruit. They're, I mean, they're going to have to recruit more guys. For and sure. I say this because when they get them on this transfer portal, if they don't have a relationship already, they're done. They're not going to get them. <laughs> connection now. So that's what they're doing. Again, there's always going to be guys like, hey, where's he going to go on the bounce back? That level's too high for him. Or, hey, he's developing real good. That level's too low for him. So that's what they're, they're going to have to keep that chain of communication open with high school coaches, with the travel coaches, because they're if they don't have that connection, if when, when that kid goes in the portal, Ani, they're not going to get him, or better yet, they're not going to let that coach know that they're going to the portal. Right. Somebody right. has first dibs like, hey, this kid's going to be in the portal this year, so you want to start making that connection. So let's bring in Bryce Fantasia because he has a very unique situation. He, he he coaches on the UAA Association, and he has players that are at Nike, and he has players that are, are at Adidas. So, Bryce, can you hear us? I can hear you guys. Thanks for having me. That's good, Bryce. You coming on, Coach. Thank, thank you for taking the time to come on the In the Paint show. Uh, just talk about you were obviously at UAA, and just talk a little bit about that. And glad you make it back home, back home in in, in uh, one piece. I know a lot of people had some travel problems, so yeah, the, the SoCal team got stuck, got stuck yeah. out there. So I think they just got home. So wow, yeah, they just got home on Tuesday morning. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So well, that's tough, you know. Yep. So just talk about the event and just the feel of it, you know, was it a full slot of coaches or is there a couple guys from each staff? You know, what, what did you kind of take and what did you see in your time out there? Yeah. I mean, I was very impressed. Um, you know, the Under Armour circuits, the one circuit I've kind of never been around uh, with the Chuck Hayes sure. program. It was the Adidas program. Then obviously, you know, a lot of my guys have played on the EYBL um, sure. and I've seen them play and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, it was a well-ran event. Um, right. You know, uh, very professional and, um, a lot of college coaches. I didn't see any full staffs, um, but there was a lot of, you know, two guys from the staff, head coach, associate there, stuff like that. And, um, sure. you know, you could tell you have some college coaches, that they're at the Under Armour, then they're flying to South Carolina to the Adidas one, um, sure. you know, stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, there was a lot of coaches and um, 
player wise, you know, there's players everywhere. Under Armour circuit, you know, there was there was some really good talent, um, just like there is on the Adidas and the UYBL circuit. So I, I was very impressed. Yeah, what was the key to uh, West Coast Elite going four and zero at the seventeen U level and winning the MB division in Kansas City? You know, what what, what was the key for your guys' team? And um, I mean, I think kind of the the head of the snake, uh, Ryan Beasley at uh, Daughtry Valley. I think he's one of the more under recruited, under appreciated kids on the West Coast. Uh, you know, I was telling a couple of college coaches who asked me about him. If he was three inches taller, he'd have, he'd have every program on the West Coast on him. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, he's kind of the guy that just got us going, and uh, he just does a little bit of everything. He's always around the ball, and uh, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, B.J. Davis, one of my guys. Like, they're just sure. always around, active hands. Um, so he was our leader, but, you know, Courtney Anderson was terrific. Um, yeah. Morsek, who's going to Hawaii from Prolific, he was with us this weekend. Obviously, his size was outstanding. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, the boys from NorCal, you know, we told them before, you know, Coach Walker, Coach Cole, you got to have a chip on your shoulder. You know, I think yeah. uh, sometimes kids from California get the, the soft rep. And uh, sure. we just wanted to make it clear that, you know, we're not soft. And uh, we came out and we played tough, played together, and it went 4-0. Yeah, uh, Coach, talk about, so, you know, this is the first time in a while that we had the spring, like the April live period. Um, I know a few weeks ago that was the first time, and this being the last one till <clears throat> the Scholastic, and then you got July. What do you just tell your boys when they're playing in front of these coaches? And just like, I, there's so much pressure. Like these boys get so many people in their face. Uh, I mean, so I you, them, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying. What do you just tell them like prior to? I mean, because going four and zero is not easy at all, especially in the circuit. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean you know how it is, and especially the way Under Armour did it, it was a it was a tournament bracket style. So you win more games, more coaches show up. You know, they want to be on the winner side, seeing winners play, not, you know, losers. So um, just, you know, stress that to the kids and just tell them relax and don't try to do anything, you know, out of the norm. Don't try to do something you're not capable of. Play to your strengths, play together and, um, you know, empty the tank, leave it all on the floor. And that's what college coaches want to see. That's how, you know, they they get paid or or fired uh, based off getting kids that that can do that or not do that. So that's pretty much it. Coach, besides uh, obviously Ryan, is Ryan Ryan's about 5'11", 5'10"? Is is yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. He plays he's like he's six two. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's big. I mean, he had a great junior year. I mean, just yeah. talking to high school coaches, they're like Ryan Ryan Beasley's got to be on your all state team. Like Ryan Beasley, I would recommend Ryan Beasley. So yeah, he had like a really good season. So what other players improve their recruiting with with uh, West Coast League? Even if even if it's the fifteen or sixteens, you know that you you know, that, that traveled with you guys if they did. You know, what other players kind of up their stock or you thought played really well? Yeah, I thought um, there's a kid at Rancho Verde, um, Robert McFarland, that I don't think very many people know about. I had never really seen him. Um, sure. I saw him at practice last weekend and then obviously played with us this weekend. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and score 20. You're not going to throw him yeah. the ball back to the basket. Um, he, he doesn't stretch the floor or anything, but he's just all over the place, blocking shots, rebounds, yeah. runs like a deer. Um, he's a kid who, you know, the portal is going to hurt a kid like that, that is going to sure. need some development. But once he hits his, hits his ceiling, um, he's going to be a still for whoever someone gets. him. if someone's willing to get him and put in the time, he has literally no clue what he's doing right now. Um, and once he figures it out, it's just going to click and he's got the, yeah. a chance to be a monster. Yeah. He's a, uh, I actually got a saw him at a, a showcase game during the season for, for Rancho Verde. And it's funny, like you said, he kind of gets it like 
he didn't play his greatest, and he kind of told Jerry Freitas and other scouts, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, I didn't really like show you what I can do." Like oh, he literally awesome. went up to the scouts and was like, "Yeah." He's like, guys, I really, I knew this was a big opportunity for me and I didn't play my best, but I'm going to, you know, get better. So he was really like, he gets it. You know, he, like you uh -huh. said, he realizes he hasn't been in front of college coaches much or that he hasn't had the opportunity to, you know, with COVID and other things that he hasn't had yeah. the opportunity to shine. So like he, he gets it. So I hope he does really good going forward. So yeah, on the 16s, there was a kid, um, Asan Huff from Bandon High School. Uh, okay. He played, he played really well. He's uh he's another kid starting to figure it out. Um, I know he's got a terrific high school coach, Michael Holloway, and yeah. uh, you know Holloway's raved about him for for a while now, and he's really starting to figure it out. He had a very good weekend as well. Yeah, coach, you're in a unique situation because again, you coach a high school team, you coach a team that can and and has been and will be nationally ranked next year, but you also have one your best player playing in Nike and your second best player, or you're one of your two best players playing in Adidas. So, so talk about those two guys and, and what you've been able to communicate with them and how they've been playing. Yeah, I mean, you have no idea how many times I get asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, my thing has always been, um, even when I was yeah. coaching the Chuck Hayes program, um, yeah. I don't force my kids to play with me. Um, I think yeah. it's good for them to listen to other voices. And, yeah. um, you know, when they, when they get in college, it's not going to be me coaching them. So, right. you know, they need to get used to AAU coaches and, you know, learning different stuff, different personalities, how to deal with different adversity. And, um, you know, people have their views on what circuit's better, what circuit's not. Like I said, there's players everywhere. There's coaches everywhere. Um, it's about fit. And, you know, sure. both those guys are in, in great situations fit-wise. Um, you know, Jamari with Paul George Elite and BJ with Jalen Green. Um, yeah. They both have the ball in their hands. They both, you know, kind of get to run the show and, you know, play their game in front of the college coaches and, you know, you know, people ask, you know, well, how come you don't pull them over to West Coast Elite, stuff like that? Well, I mean, it, it's not really about me. So it's it's about the kids. Yeah. So um, as long as they're in a good situation, I'm fine with it. And it, it's obviously paid off. They both had, you know, two terrific live periods. And my phone's been blowing up the last couple of days. So, um, yeah, it, it's pretty much all about them. So, yeah. All right. Coach, you uh, made the point that, you know, the kids dealing with different adversities in a different voice. Um that would uh <clears throat> that's gonna help them uh would you say like i always kind of i would say it's theory but like if you were to coach them school season then summer ball do you think maybe your voice doesn't have as much of an impact going into the fall or you know what's your thoughts on that absolutely um i mean they hear me i, I mean i'm very demanding on my guys i mean like weights sure. you know study halls 6 a.m shooting practice after school like they hear my voice all the time and so I do think, you know, when season's done, it was a long season, you know, went all the way to the state championship, wow. you know, they don't need to hear me for another couple months. I mean, we still have our school workouts, this and that, but, um, you know, they, they know my personality. They know what I'm going to draw up. They know how I like my philosophy stuff, but they got to get ready for the next level. And, uh, you know, wherever they end up, that coach may, may be nothing like me. So, you know, they're AAU coaches, you know, that kind of gives them a little, you know, flip the switch and, and see what other coaching is about. Yeah. Coach, you mentioned uh, Jamaria and Nike. Obviously, he was uh, named state sophomore of the year after you guys went to the state final. He, he had a great playoff run. And then I, I'm not really sure, even though, you know, BJ last year in the spring season, BJ Davis, your 223 point guard, he made all state underclass, but I still don't think people thought, like really knew how good he was. And no. then you go through the season and he's not mentioned that much. Like, is it funny to you or is it what do you think that he's finally like 
people are really realizing like this guy's probably a, a top 125 player, even higher. Like he's really yeah. that good. And I've known he's been that good. You know, yeah. Others no, I know you. I know you were the one of the first ones to jump on the bandwagon. Um, it's yeah. wild to me. I mean, yeah. I've seen BJ's development. I mean, I've coached yeah. you know him with the, he was in the Chuck Hayes program since like fifth grade. And um, so I've seen him, you know, the little skinny kid who all he could do was shoot, couldn't drive because he'd end up on the ground. Like he just yeah. kept developing. And I remember I called Chuck one night and was uh, I was like, hey, this kid's going to be a high major guard. And Chuck was like, man, you think so? I said, yeah, yeah well, I said the same thing about Oziah Sellers when nobody yeah. thought or <laughs> even had a division one offer at MC. I said, he's going to be a high major guard. And yeah. uh, people didn't believe me. But, um, you know, kids like that, they just keep developing and, you sure. know. Uh, you see the wingspan, the, the the athleticism kicks in, and BJ's always been super competitive. And now it's like, you know, people are starting to see. I mean, yesterday I probably got 20 phone calls yesterday, and and not wow. just like, you know, mid-major schools. I'm talking like right. top of the Pac-12, Big 12, you know, stuff like that. Where a year ago I think people would have thought I was crazy talking about that about BJ, but yeah. you know, he puts in the work. I mean, he. Um, we during spring break we had a bunch of our college guys come back just for workouts and stuff and um yeah. I, I knew this last week and bj was gonna really you know stand out on the national scene because you could just tell he's focused he's yeah uh, determined and um you know I mean, jamari's a special talent i mean he's a has pro potential everyone knows that and i think yeah. sometimes bj at times kind of took a back seat to jamari sure um, yeah. you know which i think most of the country would you know like jamari's yeah. that good but um I think part of the reason we went on our state run is they realize that like, they need each other. And, uh, yeah. you know, Jamari hit some huge shots, but, you know, BJ in his own right, you know, does stuff that yeah. we don't get to the doesn't do. So um, now BJ, obviously, without Jamari there, regard AJ Johnson's obviously outstanding next to him. Um, but BJ's special, and now he's getting to show the world, and, you know, I I'm very proud of him. Yeah, I think I got to see BJ. Ronnie, when was that? I came to Vegas like late July. Was it? Yeah. That was the first time I seen him. I'm like, man, who is this kid? And Ronnie told me that's BJ Davis. Like, and I was like, what level? I said, I think he could be high major. Me and Ronnie were talking about. It, and I was like, man. Then I remember I asked the kid about his recruitment. It was very, very minimal. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, man, this kid. And I watched him again. Like I had to watch him again. I'm like, yeah, he's gonna be a high major kid. So that's good to hear that. You know. It's kind of all coming yeah, from. Yeah, I, I, had coach, I had a coach call me yesterday. I think they, they played Compton Magic, and the coach went there to watch someone from Compton Magic, and then he, he watched BJ, and he had no clue who BJ was. And he started going through his papers, like, "Man, who is this kid?" Like trying to figure it out. <laughs> so he watched the Compton Magic game. He was like, "All right, I'm gonna go back to the, their next game just to see if this kid can follow it up." And then he he saw that game and was just like, "Man!" So he said the same thing. He went and checked on who's recruiting BJ, and he was like blown away, like like man, I think I can get this kid right now. So, yeah, BJ's one of those kids who people are starting to wake up on. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you, you obviously those are underclass players. Most of your most of your team is underclass players. Like Prince Osea and, and uh, Atiti, I don't want to say his name wrong. Talk a little bit about their uh, recruitment and how they're doing, and then talk a little bit about your guys' expectations for the 23 season. Yeah, I mean, Prince is out there with BJ on the Jalen Green Elite team. Um, okay. You know, AAU-wise, you know how it is for bigs. Not a lot of stuff yeah. gets drawn up for them. They don't get a lot of touches. So, you know, I think Prince is adjusting to that. But, you know, his recruitment is what it is. He's still a developing big. He's a, a rim protector. He can run, um, run the floor. Um, you know, I think he's uh, he, he can step outside and shoot it, which I think some colleges know that because he did that for us a little bit. So 
you know, sure. his recruitment is still kind of flying under the radar. I think that he does need to kind of show a little bit more production, but you know, his potential is outstanding and uh, you know, somebody's going to get a kid and similar to McFarland, it's like there's still some development that needs to be done. Um, some coaches are willing to put in that work. Some coaches will just go in the portal and go get that kid. So they don't have to. So, you know, his recruitment will be interesting. Um, but I mean, he's an awesome kid. He's a uh, humble, he, he works hard and um, yeah. And Imana, um, I mean, don't be surprised if you see him on the All-State football team next year. He's uh, He went to a combine last week, oh, and boy. his numbers were just through the roof. Um, yeah. I think 6'6", 260, 7-foot wingspan, and ran a sub-540. So it's like, you know, wow. you can't really teach that. And uh, so he's going to play football this year. He's going to play uh, left tackle, defensive end. And, uh, you know, I, I do think he's got some, you know, low major, mid-major basketball schools looking at him stuff like that but you know he's kind of that tweener six 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 and a half four man sure. uh football that gets you paid so right, uh, right. you know so similar situation is like i'm not going to force my kids to just play basketball like he can make money yeah. on the gridiron so um i think that's what's going to end up happening with him so wow that's awesome i'm glad i'm glad from you know either way he goes i'm, I'm glad he has those opportunities yep. coach you want to talk to you about a little more a sensitive thing or something that's obviously out there a bit but obviously comes to your to your attention and, and we we'd be remiss not to mention is like you mentioned with jamari i know independent teams are hitting them up all the time even in the course of this probably in the course of your guys season you know uh and i'm sure bj might even get that as well one day if he's not already uh you know what's the best advice you give them on that and what's the best advice you've gotten from somebody you trust like somebody's new mentor uh, the best to keep your foundation that you built together, like, you know, to keep your guys together and, and, and just build on what you can do and what you can control. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I just control what I can control try to keep our culture as, as best yeah. it is. Um, you know, yeah. I think our tradition, our, our alumni, you know, they're always coming back, always around yeah. and, you know, our state championship run, you know, we had alums, you know, Chuck Fluent, Richard Midgley, mm -hmm. David Paris, yeah. like we had guys like that coming around, coming to practice. And um, so we just hope that that kind of shows the guys like, Hey, there's, there's something more. Um, a lot of these prep schools, I'm not going to say all because some do do a very good job. Sure. There's not really, you know, the tradition, the legacy, the, you know, yeah. leaving something better than you found it. Like some of these prep schools aren't even going to be around in four or five years. You know, they're hot right now, but, yeah. you know, yeah. you're not going to have your jersey. You're not going to have your jersey hanging on a wall, um, yeah. you know, unless you're the OK or, you know, somewhere like that. So I just sure. got to trust what we do, trust our culture. You know, it's not always, you know, our culture is not for everyone. So, um, you know, you just got to hope that kids want to be a part of that and, and want to stay. And, uh, you know, a lot of people always think the grass is greener. I think I'm in a lucky situation where, you know, Jamari's parents are great, great people. BJ's parents are great sure. people. And they've both been honest with me. whenever schools contact them or not. They they tell me um, they let me know what schools they are, um, this and that. And so it's not like I have to kind of worry about, you know, get stabbed in the back or anything like that. Like um, sure. I'm going to see it coming if something happens. And I think, uh, you know, I'm going to have an opportunity to sit down and talk to them. And if it's in the kid's best interest, I'm going to tell the kid, you know, kid like Jamari, if he's going to go get paid, if overtime wants to go drop a drop a bag at his door, I'm happy for him. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously it's not great for me, but, you know, our program will continue to go on and Jamari will go, go make some money. But, you know. Jamari's parents are smart. They know, you know, Jamari's young. He's not one of these holdbacks. Like, he's young for his grade. You know, do you really want him getting raised by, you know, some some men who only have their best interests, you know, in them? So 
got to be careful yeah. with that because you, you get around the wrong people, you know, a lot can change. Jamari right now, he's a humble kid and, you know, his parents are, are right on him. He works out every day and he goes somewhere else, you know, you know, other distractions work and, and, sure. and stuff like that. So, yeah, th that, that's my advice. You know, it's like the grass is not always greener. We've had kids that have left and been like, I shouldn't have left. Um, you know, sure. I mean, for example, Oziah, Oziah, it worked out for Oziah. Oziah's going to USC. You know, Oziah was back for spring break working out with us. And, you know, him and his dad were like, hey, like prep school was great. You know, there's, there's a lot of positives, but, you know, they watched our state championship run. They watched the games and they're like, man, like missing out on that environment and that atmosphere was something, you know, you're not going to get that at prep school. You know, sure. like Oziah's dad was like, you're playing in front of 50 fans sometimes, you know, yeah. we're playing at Clovis West in front of 2,500 you know, or you no know, doubt. the Kings arena in front of however many people were there for the state championship. So there's a lot of program prep schools that do it right that I respect. Um, I've even had prep schools reach out to me, you know, yeah. like out of respect, like, hey, you know, like letting them know, let me know what's going on. Um, so I, I respect that. But um, there's a lot of high schools that don't get the, the proper, you know, recognition as well. There's a lot of coaches that do it right, put in the work. And if you do it right and your kids are in the gym all the time, you know, to, they're on top of their academics. They don't need the prep school because then you get the high school experience with kind of the basketball prep school wise. You know, you're going to prom, you're going to football, Friday night football games, and you're still getting everything you need basketball and academically. So, you know, there's positives and negatives for both. So, appreciate. Yeah, that makes yeah, no, absolutely. You made a you, you made a good point um, saying you know like Jamari's young and just going out to those prep schools. Not all of them are like this, but you know some. It's not about development's not first, right? It's about, you know, you have to come in to help us win. <clears throat> you know, what you can't do right now will help, but it's not something we're really going to focus on fixing. You got to help us win. Uh, and I think that's why you sometimes see kids that get out. Even in Dallas, you see that guys get out and then they come back. It's like, man, it wasn't what I thought it was. Like, you know, they said this and that. Nothing no knock on Prescott, but it's just like they got to win. <laughs> I mean, you got to win too, but like, you focus on development yes. with your program, but it's just like with your players, but development is not in the forefront like those guys thought it was going to be. You know, so I, I yeah, agree I with that's you. why a lot of them just wait till kids are seniors and just poach them. You know, like they're yeah. not going to put the time in when the kid's freshman through junior year, let somebody else develop and I'm going to go poach them. So, sure. uh, and, and you know, it's like, you know, to me, it's like that's not right, but like, you know, we're, we're in a different day and age and, uh, yeah. you know, kind of got to put up with that i guess so yeah gotcha. coach we'll let you go one more question what's your guys schedule like you know uh are you going to be in the scholastic section seven period with your scholastic team and then is you and you're going to go back and coach under armor for, for july yeah so we'll be out there at section seven we have our tournament the weekend before um 64 teams um the mc summer classic we have every Every open division team from NorCal and um, every division one team from NorCal. We have St. Joe's from uh, Santa Maria coming up. So um, 64 yeah. game NCAA tournament style bracket. And that'll hopefully get us ready for section seven. And then uh, back on the circuit with um, Under Armour in July and then get get going for our uh, season next next year. Yeah. And that um Will that be – give us the dates there so we can let our listeners know what dates your the Modesto Christian uh, tournament is in the dead period. What dates are those? Um, June 10th through 12th, so the, the weekend before okay. Section 7. Great, great. Okay, well, we'll be following it. We appreciate your time, Coach. Thank you for jumping on. No, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, for sure, okay. Coach.
take take care. Thanks, Bye. Coach. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah, you know that's good that I heard about that and that heard that there was going to be a uh, kind of like a prep preview for like the Scholastic period. So that's good. I I, I know that tournament's growing, and again, that's June. 10 to 12 and then section seven is the next week so yeah he made some great points coach fantasia made some great points and obviously has two really good players one potentially great player you know and that's got a uh, that's good perspective because he has one of them on adidas one of them on nike and he's right. with uaa so he's keeping tabs of a lot of things and he's very honest and candid about what his players are capable of and and where they're headed you know and obviously bj's stock is going high fast i always i always thought what are you guys looking at like this guy can't you can't people can't stay in front of him so no. I was like, yeah at all they just can't stay in front of him so uh you know what were your thoughts on some of the things he mentioned about the prep schools and and also about like the development and maybe one of his guys is just playing football because it might be better for him well you can tell you definitely has the best interest for the kids at heart uh yeah. uh one thing about coach but another thing it's just interesting like how he just said, like, man, basically he can only control what he can control. And he just let it, let it be like, and I think <clears throat> for public schools, that's kind of the same approach some have over here is just like, you know, if you plan on the, if, if IMG or Monverde or where prolific, wherever, that's what the plans is, you know, you're not going to get much fight out of it uh, from coaches here. You can only control what's in your program. Right. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, if the kid, wants to do that you're not going to stop him from doing it even if you may convince him hey i think you should stay here then they're ultimately always going to be thinking of well what if i went there like what if i went there like initially so i i i, I agreed with his thoughts you can only control what you can control but if yeah. you have a build a strong program i mean you know missing yeah. out on play you don't have your you know your top players it does hurt but your teams generally are fine if you have a really strong program sure sure yeah, you know, obviously Jamari had a, you know, he's playing really well and scoring just as much as Isaiah Lee. Helene playing is just as well as anybody on that Paul George 16 team, which is a really talented yes. team. <laughs> you know, they're very talented at, at the 16U level. And then BJ playing with AJ Johnson, who's a guard from California, who's uh -huh. getting recruited very well. But like BJ is, uh, you know, last year, like you said, it's very funny. Uh, I watched all his games at that tournament in Vegas. As I thought he was the best player in the tournament, even in the, over the 17 U players. I was like, this guy's the best player in the tournament. So, I, you know, it's very interesting. You go to – I saw his games at Bishop Gorman, which is the main gym, but they had a 9 o'clock game against another D1 guard at a faraway gym in Centennial Foothills, way up there on the – I guess that would be the northwest side of Vegas – and there was a college coach there. I, was, I won't tell you it. It was it was mm -hmm. in the, one of the Montanas, and they were there. They knew about BJ, and I said, "Man, man, these guys might be able to get him. They're on him tough. They're at every game. It was nine in the morning. They won that game, and BJ wasn't great. But then they win the championship game, and he played really well. It was the game you saw, and I was like, "Man, I really feel bad for that school because they have no <laughs> chance." <laughs> have no chance like and now even those other schools were at that event have no chance like right right because if he's over on adidas in front of big time you know power five conference schools like he's gonna take one of those offers and i'm happy for everybody's happy for him but it's just funny to see that maturation you see well you if you're a, if you're a low major or even a some mid-majors you got to be pick and choose who you follow too long because if they go too high, you're done. You know, yeah, you're I mean? done. Once those high majors kick in, I mean, you just don't have a chance. You got to cut your losses. 
But he's, he was a good one. If you're a low to mid, like, hey, yeah. I may be able to sneak one. Like, yeah, and it's just funny even talking to some coaches that he come in, they're like, um, like the ones that came to Dallas, they're like, yeah, this kid, he moved to play for uh, – you know the yeah. shoot team. He's. I was like, he's the barely. He's really not playing much. He's like, yeah, we kind of want it like that. Like we're <laughs> we're good that he's not playing a whole lot because we still <laughs> we know he's better than our level. But if we yeah. can teach to play five minutes a game, we're we're gonna have a chance. Correct. You know? and, and I'm not speaking for BJ here, but like you said, you got to keep. That was my point earlier before Bryce Fantasia came on as a guest. Is you got to keep tabs on those guys because there's injury, there's bad fits. He may come back to you. Right. You may have a shot in that portal. You know I mean? That's kind of what we've been talking about for the last month, and, and we'll continue talking about it. NIL, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the NBA draft as that gets there. And then that's very clear, you know, very close to what we're talking about with Dariq. And I want to talk a little bit about that, and we'll get back to the standouts. You know, last year with, with Chet winning it, National Player of the Year, Jabari finished second. And, and those guys look like NBA talents. Do you is do you think with like this group, Keontae, Derek Lively, Derek Whitehead, they're not really necessarily at the top of the 2023 NBA draft board? Do you think that's going to change? Do you like any one of those guys? Do you like Derek as that high of an NBA prospect? Or you think no, it's just a different group? They're going to develop differently, and some of them are going to be hitting the lotto. Some of them are going to have to use the second year seasoning. Some of them are going to, you know, they're going to have to work their way up to get as high as like Cade, Evan. And and, J- and Jalen Green in that 220 class, and then as high as like Chet and Jabari in the 221 class. Yeah, it's it's very interesting about that 22 class because this is deep. Yeah. But yeah. like when you talk about those three, I, they're not guys that I view as yeah. top three draft picks. Like you know, Jabari and Chet can be one and two. You know, yeah. I for sure they're going to be top three. Yeah. I don't see. You know, things could change. Like you said, they could develop. I don't think any of them are going to need a second year. Well, I think they'll all declare after that first and will have a good enough season to be able to declare after the first. Uh, But I see more lottery late first, you know, know, kind of flirting with that early second, late first type situation. But I don't see a – I definitely don't see like a – Top three. You don't, I don't see top three draft picks with those guys, but I do. I do see that they could be one and dones. I think they'll be yeah. one and dones. Just I think they'll be one and dones. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that, like Chad and Jabari, like even especially when Dino's had that festival, yeah. like they were just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just. I don't. I don't see it with those three, but good players. Yeah, very good players. So, did anybody uh, in Dallas have like a BJ Davis type? weekend where it's like this guy's recruitment is just going to go sky sky or higher was it more sleepers and guys that are under the radar and they're now getting some interest i think it, it really dials to kind of the the um i would say just like the overall tone just the unsigned seniors I, there's a kid jackson fields uh very interesting story uh went to four belt four bent elkins in the yeah. summer so i liked him last june when we had our tabc like the scholastic and yeah. he was six five uh was a big time football player. He decided he wanted to play basketball. He's only been playing basketball for like maybe two or three years. Now he's six eight, <laughs> has a two, two plus two three wingspan, handles it, shoots yeah. it. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I know he has a visit to Tarleton this week, uh, but he's a kid like mid potentially high major. You know, 
type type guy. Like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's all said and done. He's a high major player. Like, yeah. you know, and, and making some money playing basketball. It's just weird. Like, he's grown three inches in the past year. He was just a post. Like, he was just literally, like, back to the basket guy. But I liked his energy and his hustle. Now he's, like, put on more muscle. He's taller. He's more athletic. Like, just dunking on foes, breaking dudes off the balance and finishing, pull-up game. And you're like, who the hell is this kid? Like, you know, like, it just it had coaches scratching their head because it just, where did he come from? But he's only been playing. He hasn't played basketball for three years. I think it's literally been two years. So he's just that 2022 that, you know, will probably go to, you know, is interesting, could go to a low. And then, you know, he's one of the hot guys in the portal, you know, going up. Like, and so you have coaches now that are like, man, I I would take him if I didn't sign this or that, but I'm going to keep the relationship because I may have to, I may get them like, you know, on like the up, yeah. on a come up, like you mentioned yeah. that, like yeah. they're going to build the relationship because they may get him on the come up. Correct. You might fall back down to your level or you might come up. I mean, that's, you almost have to be, even, you know, again, you have to widen your net. So everybody thinks, oh, they're not recruiting high school players. Well, if you're not, you're going to fall behind. You're going to get right. fired because yes. you're not going to have nothing, nothing working and cooking in the portal. If you don't have a relationship, you're not going to have anything cooking in the portal. So that ain't true. So whatever coaches, you know, Dino's kind of rod everybody up online. You're saying these coaches are lazy and stuff. On <laughs> if you're lazy or you're thinking you're just going to get stuff in the portal, like that ain't going to work. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have to widen your net. And again, you're not going to cast that net and, and get a lot of good fish, but you're going to have to, you know, get that net out there because, again, you need to – have relationships so you know it's not all doomsday for the high school players you know everybody's saying all oh, 223 is going to be a little screwed 222 is real screwed like yeah a little bit but it's still gonna some players are still gonna get through and, and and get stuff and some players are gonna have to go to junior college and make their way up but it's again some players are gonna bounce around in a year right. two. that's just the just the nature of the beast right and if they wait like it's so to me yeah, this has kind of been an eye opening just for like the really good players in the 22 that don't have anything. If you wait, yeah, like you will be a hot commodity in April. Yeah. <laughs> like it just it's so crazy how many calls I'm getting about 2022 players because yeah. they're realizing, oh, didn't see one. Yeah. It, it, like, for example, a high major coach called me and was like, man, so we, I, give me about two weeks. I don't know if we'll get these kids or if the type of kids that we want are in the portal in two weeks. If not, I'm going to go get this kid. Like, and I've been getting those calls. So it's just like, if they play, like they are screwed because maybe they don't have a fall signing day and that's fine. Sure. But if you just continue to play it out, you'll yeah. get something in the spring because yeah. the portal, I, you it know, out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. You guys know where they're going. Am I going to get this guy? Am I not going to get this guy? Kind of the dust settles a little bit. People kind of have an idea of where a guy's going in the portal. Right. Some so guys are not going to have nothing. <laughs> right. How about you? Like, was there any like a BJ Davis, yeah. like a guy that just really boosted the stock where you're uh, at? There's, I think Money Williams is the one guy that people were interested in. I I, I tweeted about him and I sent up some things about him and, and people were like, whoa, you know, how good is this guy? Definitely got some phone calls. People are interested in him. Money Williams is a um, six-four shooting guard, kind of combo guard from Team Arsenal in the Bay. 
He plays at Oakland High School. He's 223. Played really well at the um, Hoop Circuit SoCal Live event. He was the one guy that drew buzz, and he's going to get more scholarship offers. I'll go over the names for the guys I thought were good at that event real fast, and mm-hmm. then I'll jump over into uh, the Marquee Hoops West Coast League. So I went to two events. So let, I'll just rattle them off. Latavius Morris, 225, point guard. He played for uh, – a and B spotlight uh, out of a Trisco Heritage Academy in, in New Mexico. He was a good player. Man, he could break down guys and get in the key and dish. He just did a really good job on a 15-under team. Uh, Donovan Santorio, he's a post-grad for Cali Stars. He's from Austin Westlake. Mm-hmm. I know he's you're talking about. 23 now. A bouncy, a people kind of taking a look at him. People like him, uh, Ani. You know, I, I don't know how good of a player he was at Austin Westlake in the past, but like then that extra, he's a guy that will use that year of prep school to his advantage, I believe. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. When I saw he went 2023, I was like, he has a chance to be a high major player. Okay. Yeah. And he certainly like he does. He certainly has flashes of that. He needs to be a more consistent in that. And he, he could maybe get to the high major again, going out of Austin Westlake in 222, he wouldn't have been able to. To do that so that's very you know good move for him jakari miles also from the cali star 17s he's at rest ranch high in valencia california um really good point guard quick and move sick about six one six two chris carter a bouncy kid from elevate elite national team he's from shadow hills all the way in coachella uh way uh like in the coachella valley like indio indio that's probably way out there in the desert wow. by palm springs so i i mean Ani, do you like coachella man we got to talk about Coachella. <laughs> you follow coachella at all like i mean that's where his school's at in coachella valley I'm a little yeah. bit yes like <laughs> yes he's out there though yeah yeah that's out there from la man so he does again but he's a he's a bouncy kid hopefully he gets a little more looks um court stansbury his high school teammate just He's uh, uh he's gonna go to Pepperdine. So they people are following that team a little bit. They have some good players. So I'm happy for him. Hope he gets a little looks. He's a little raw, but he's a good player. John Gazinga from Jalen Green Elite, mm-hmm. 15s, Orange Lutheran High School. He's six foot seven, 225, big, strong kid. He has a chance. Now, this kid I'm talking about here might be down the line the best prospect of them all. Zion Booker. He's from Prodigy Elites. 15s, 6'5", Etiwanda High School, which is a state power, as, as you know, produced some pros in the past. And Prodigy Lead has a really good 15 and under team. And Zion is uh, explosive. He can get to the rim. Uh, good first step, long. Uh, he played JV as a ninth grader, but it, it doesn't matter that he played JV. All their ninth graders usually start on JV. Like, he's going to be a really good prospect. And he's a good player, and he's tough. And, 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 you know, he wants to get better and wants to improve. So Zion Booker, remember that name on You're going to see him at, at the big camps and things like that down the line. Elijah Gardner, who's a 226 on that Prodigy Elite team. He's going to Damien High School, the Division One state champ, 6'4". Uh, really good player. Look, good prospect, even more of a prospect than a player right now. Dennis Evans, who you know a little bit about, the seven-footer. Yeah. Minlin. Uh, left-handed block shots. People just keep watching. And they just think he keeps getting better and better and better and better. <laughs> like they want to like him. People want to like him. Like, cause again, he's seven foot. He block shot. He's, he could be like a Keon Clark if he keeps improving. Right. Keon Clark played at UNLV. He might have even played a little bit in the NBA. Not sure Dennis is that level of a prospect, but that's what they want. That's what they want to see. So, so he takes for 
Kool-Aid on Team Inland, who's been around for decades producing players. The most interesting player I think I saw the whole weekend is William Hebrot. He's a post-grad. He's going 223, but he's 222. On a small team rampage from the Bay Area, he goes to Archie Williams High School in San Anselmo. William Hebrot. Remember that name? He's going to do really well down the line. He's skilled, 6667, can shoot the ball a bit, get to the rack with both hands. That's a player colleges probably some of them saw i'm not i don't want to say the name of the colleges because i don't want to hurt right. that kid but i'm just going to tell you that some couple colleges noticed and he's going to if he stays in 223 and doesn't get anything 222 they're going to be on him and they're going to like what they see so how about you how about and did you see anybody blow yeah up there's there's a, there's a kid uh keelon dorsey out of uh, eisenhower in houston play for houston superstars with uh, Jackson Fields, the, the 2022, like an athletic wing, really thrives in transition, long arms, finishes above the rim. Shooting's not bad. I think there's real upside with the shooting. I think it's a clean release. Uh, just a raw player right now. Uh, but just like his defensive versatility, the way he plays with his length and athleticism was really intriguing. Had a few Division One schools that really like him, start recruiting him. His dad played. Um Forgot where they said he played, but you know has some uh, some strong basketball bloodlines. Uh, Braden Jordan uh, plays for Team Nation, twenty twenty three, like a 6'2", wiry strong guard. Really gets downhill, athletic. Like he just one of those real athletic downhill guards that has some upside. Saw some real willingness to pass and seen him make some real like thread the needle type passes. Uh, he's an interesting player because uh, those type of guys kind of go unnoticed. But, uh, you know, under the right situation, I think, you know, he can be a Division One basketball player. A uh, couple other kids, like uh, in the 22 class, C.J. Luster uh, played team super session, real, really scores it. A lot of mid-majors have uh, been calling about him. Uh, think he has a chance just like off the bounce, off the catch, real deep. That shoots a real deep, uh, very interesting kid. Uh, Trey Clayton, who won uh, the 4A state championship as a freshman. Uh, you know, he's in a situation. He's playing as an unsigned. Yeah. I remember that. Trey Clayton, yeah. Unsigned senior. but uh, Playing as an unsigned senior, but uh, had a few Division ones come out. Uh, had a 17.16 rebound game on Saturday. Uh, just a beast on the glass. I think the shooting is getting better, but just, you know, just does so much. He's a kid I'm kind of really surprised he's a – unsigned senior but he'll definitely get something he's a kid like you talk about uh may have to go junior college you know for a yeah. year but uh that yeah. definitely needs to visual and talent uh there's a kid out of kaufman uh dalen dickerson uh about six six he's like a people want to so kaufman texas is like it's, it's just middle, like no one knows where that middle, middle of nowhere uh played the dallas showtime last year with arteria mm-hmm. morris chauncey gibson of course those kids kind of on the forefront and overshadowed yeah. kid like him, but can handle it. Uh, shot looks good, athletic as hell. He plays track. Baseball was supposed wow. to be a football player. Like now, it's just really focusing on basketball, and even has some low to mids that were like, "Who is no. <laughs> who is this kid?" Like yeah. came down, push dribble left, crossover went down the middle, and just boomed it. Like you know, no one like he just. Just kind of yeah. come out of nowhere. Just uh, really impressive. Houston Hoops, uh, their 16 users were there. Uh, Trent Burns, he's like 7'1". 
long oh. arms, uh, was is is like on the raw side, but can really shoot the basketball. Like what's so intriguing is like he had he he blocks shots, but he can shoot it. Like if you let it get his feet set, really can shoot threes. Just need you know needs to play with some more toughness. Kind of worry about how he does guarding in space, but sure. you can't teach his size shot blocking instincts yeah. just a shooting you know uh like a very poor man's version of uh what's my man's name that was at uh florida state uh that declared for the draft uh ooh, ooh, ooh. you yeah, know what i'm talking about yeah, i know you're talking about but his name escapes me right now yeah but hamilton has so many guys that you're <laughs> right like boy i get them confused sometimes i don't right. talk but you know not as agile coordinated like that kid but you know just can't teach what they have. Uh, Bryce Jackson, a 2025 out of for Houston Hoops, uh, talented, like big physical guard, has yeah. good mid range game. Uh, definitely think he becomes a high major player. Yeah. Uh, uh, live on. Uh, they're 16, they're 15 U. They have a kid, Alejandro Avila, very like old school type game, about 6'7 wide frame like yeah. footwork out of this world like finishes right left that doesn't get off the floor great but like he's just not gonna block his shot like he's a uh he played i, forget, I don't know where he's from exactly but just an in, international type game like international type game Got high feel high begin high post finds cutters like just spin moves fake spins to pulls like all that and then uh i'll say the last kid i think is going to be in that top 150 as a 24 is divine ugo uh he could okay. he played for the houston hoops uh really talented about six two guard good length very smooth doesn't get rushed um but does a good job changing speeds and just you know and, and like a, a deceptive athlete you just because he plays so smooth and cool you don't think he can just get up and just play, you know, and, and play above the rim, but he can. And, uh, you know, has good feel as a passer, like gets the ball off his hands quick, you know, can look someone off and then make the pass. Uh, I think there's some real upside as like a bigger point guard uh, because he's about 6'3", and I think he's still growing because he's young. Uh, sure. So, yeah, those are those are my standouts, uh, Yeah, you know, from this. There's a lot. And like I said, I want people to go back and – Listen to those names, you know, write some of them down. You know, you're going to hear about these guys are going to be D1 players. And, we, you know, we always like to talk about the players, and that's our focus. And like I said, uh, you mentioned the big kid, seven, seven foot, seven one. That's kind of like Coach Bryce Fantasia mentioned Jacob McFar McFarland's like that. <laughs> Prince Osea, who's his own guy, who's who also, you know, uh, plays on that Jalen Green elite team. And then, like I said, Dennis Evans, who plays for Team Inland out in California, like these guys are so intrigued by these big guys. They want them to, you know, come on. They want to see more. They want to see them do good. And it's like they're going to have a chance, you know. Obviously, oh, size is such a huge factor in the game. Obviously, outside shooting, size, and athleticism, you know, a co or a combination of those. Obviously, if you have a combination of all three of those, you're Kevin Durant. But <laughs> right, I, right. <laughs> you have some some little bit of each of that. What, what people don't understand and or we don't judge as good, obviously me or you or anybody else, until you get to know people is the work ethic. And that's where Kevin Durant separated himself as even as a youngster. And like I said, he's a number two prospect behind Greg Oden. And nobody's going to forget that because of what happened in the draft later. <laughs> you know, like, right. <laughs> like everybody's going to know Kevin Durant's the number two player in that class forever because it's, oh, man, he Greg got drafted a year later than him in front. And it's like, 
We're going to break down these prospects a little bit more. The NBA prospects we talked about, you know, they were high school players not too long ago. We mentioned Scotty Barnes, won Rookie of the Year. Toronto's trying to trying to come back as we transition. We're going to, you know, talk a little bit about the NBA and wrap up. We don't want to keep everybody too long. We wanted to talk about the high school players. But it, it also translates because we talk about Ben Simmons and how maybe he was yeah. a little coddled, you know, came straight from – Ben Simmons was from Australia and came straight to the Pangos camp. This is his first time in America playing in 2012. And I asked Ben Simmons, I said, Ben, you know, what do you know? You know, this is new to you. You're obviously talented. He could pass. And he goes, no, all I know is Duke. That's all he said. He's all I know is Duke. You know, all I know is Duke at the time. You know, he was like a rising 10th grader or whatever. All he knew was Duke. And, and obviously the rest is history. Joined Joined Verde and became one of the best players of, of recent times in high school because, like you said, he they won. And sometimes you think that he played around with a lot of good players, uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell. And I sometimes wonder was that easy? Was it was it kind of easy and successful? He thought you're oh you're always going to have that success, right? So when he ran into a little adversity at LSU, it's like like you said, it didn't go too well. And now this is. He's got more money than he needs to know what to do with It's not going well, you know? So I, I really think, like you mentioned, it's going to ruin it for the future for guys like who the presidents of the uh, collective bar, you know, the players association for the collective bargaining. I mean, those guys have put in a lot of work. You have other guys in other sports that have gotten guys the chance to be free agents that help because obviously the owners before free agency, before Kurt flood did it in baseball, the owners just could collude the salaries right. and keep them down. Well, obviously, Ani, if this, you know, if the Cardinals want you, but the Dodgers want you more, well, the Dodgers are going to offer you more money and your, your value is going to go up. So it's been a long 50-year process. So, like, why are we why are we going backwards here? Like, why the, the fans are getting screwed. I'll have to go off on this. The, everything's so expensive. Gas, yeah. tickets. You, <clears throat> you guys, what are you doing? Seems like a lot of work thrown down the drain. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree, especially, like, in the places that we're at. Like, yeah. it's expensive. I mean, it's not expensive as it is, but, like, Everywhere, get yeah. a good quality NBA ticket yeah. is very expensive. <laughs> and so, like, the fact that, you know, and I don't want to say all these spoiled, young, rich millionaires, yeah. and, and try to sound grouchy, but, no, no. you know, I do wonder, do they even take into, like, you know, into their mind, like, hey, like, there are people that are struggling, that are paying a lot of money to come see us play, that come to see me play. Yeah. And I'm just not going to play because my back is sore or low management. I get if you need a couple games. But for you guys to miss half a season, to say, oh, I need this so I can play in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, what what are we doing? Yeah. You know, like, so. Yeah, for sure. Because the. Right. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Like, I'm spoiled. That's what I mean to cut you off. Like, no, you good. You know, it's like you mentioned the players are spoiled. Like, I used to go to the Clipper games when the Clippers were the Clippers, Donald Sterling. <laughs> the tickets were 15 bucks, but I could go see Patrick Ewing, the, the dream, dream. You know, I could go see Jordan. That was the hot ticket because it was very expensive for the Lakers. I was able to see the Lakers. And those tickets were 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, 40, but 75 was like, ooh, 75. Like, that's a big, big time ticket. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so I'm spoiled. I, I, mean, I don't want to go to an NBA game right now. I got to yeah. shit. I got to be keen. I, I got to be, I got to have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I can't relax. I don't even make it in my seat because, again, it's back to what you said. I can't deal with this. I don't know who's playing. Are they giving the effort I want to see if it ain't a playoff game? I'm not sure they're giving the effort I want to see because I know how hard each of them can play because I've seen it when they were in grassroots or high school, what they were capable of. So when they're loafing, I don't want to go get another drink. I don't want to see that shit. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. And the fan, the average, my point is the average fan is getting robbed because they don't know. It's worth the one is worse. And obviously, I'm glad he was such a hard worker. They could understand that was Kobe Bryant. The fans here just love him to death. It's almost like an obsession. But he came to work every day and he worked hard. So, you know, like they don't understand if a guy like you would understand because you've seen him at camps, you've seen him for many years. If he's kind of dogging it or giving, you know, oh, man, he ain't playing that to his level. You know what I mean? Right. And right. then he gets traded to another team and all of a sudden he's playing good again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just think it's very bad and it's going to come back to bite the NBA in the ass. Oh, 100%. 100%. And like you said, it, it, it just like guys that you like you said, you've seen high school, you've seen their competitive nature. Yeah. It's like, did that, and like now you ask, was that fool's goal? Or <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, once you get what you want, it's like, whatever. You yeah. know, like, yeah. so I it just, like you said, it, the NBA it, stuff needs to change. I get guys need to take a, a game or a couple games off. I get that. Like yeah. these kids, I think I, we talk. I talk, I think sometimes these kids play too many damn games. Like especially yeah. going from spring summer to high school. Like I get it, but you know what would we be saying if a high school kid took yeah. fifty games off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna the load man. If we don't get this shit right, the load management's coming to high school. Right. Oh, it's gonna come. We're gonna start seeing. Uh, he's off because of load management. Oh, yeah, trust we me. Gotta, we got to get this right at the high level. So let's run down the NBA playoffs, and then obviously people are watching, so we don't have to spend too much time on it. Uh, and we'll start with the Western Conference. Timberwolves and Grizzlies are 2-2 two and two in an entertaining series. Yeah. Ma- uh, the Mavs lead 3-2. to two. Uh, Man, Jalen Brunson, wow, he's playing. And then Luka came back, so they're up 3-2. to two. The Suns and Pelicans, deadlock at 2-2. Two and two. Now CP3 up and down with Devin Booker out. The Warriors up in three and one, and as the Nuggets uh, avoided that sweep, and then in the Eastern Conference, 76ers, we mentioned that earlier, they're up three to two, but the Raptors are gaining some momentum. The Bucks take a three one lead on the Bulls. Obviously, I, the Bucks are kind of my uh, my pick out of the East. The Heat up three to one on the Hawks, or just look more more weapons and they're more physical. Atlanta was playing that regular season ball, looked like a bit, and then the Celtics swept the Nets, so they're they're, they're advancing. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about what what happened to the Nets. Like, that's the only team that's already advanced. As you listen to this spot, obviously more games will happen early this week. But what happened to the Nets? Are they just too much outside distractions and they couldn't put it together? I think it's a it's a mix of that. I think the, there's outside distractions. Can never play enough games together. Can never really get uh like some cohesion. But you know the Celtics aren't a good matchup. I mean, yeah. they don't have one thing. The Nets don't have is a lot of athletic wings. Yeah. Uh, and you know, with Jalen uh, Brown and Jason Tatum, I mean, you got Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Kyrie yeah. Irving. I mean, that's nice and all, but they can't go. I mean, they're just not going to get done. Yeah, right. They're not big enough to guard Boston. And I thought Boston really used their size yeah. against them. I mean, but you know, they, a lot of outside distractions. You go from James Harden to go to Ben Simmons. I mean, which one's which one's worse? Shit. I mean, yeah, like, what, what is that? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Katie, her Kyrie not being able to play games because, you know, the whole uh, the vaccination deal. And um, I just thought, you know, they Boston was just way better. Just 
They're just you a know, better team. Yeah. yeah, they're a better team. Brooklyn doesn't have enough. They need to get big athletic wings yeah. to be able to compete if they're going to take that next step with this group. Gotcha. Yeah, and then we'll see what happens with that group. You know, I, I don't know if any other series caught your eye. I just think the Hawks, everybody's like, oh, you know, Chelsea would mention, I really like the playing game, and, and, and the playing games were good. And she talked a lot about Suns not being injured. And sure enough, when we talked about that, <laughs> and now CP3 is a little up and down. Alvarado's really getting in them defensively. And then uh, my team, uh, or my team at the East, the, the Bucks, uh, Middleton is now hurt with his MCL. Right. So, like, we've had these injuries just in the last week, and we talked about the Suns being relatively injury-free. And now here comes, you know, the injury bug. And with the Hawks, I just think, again, when you're CP3, when you're Trey Young, when you're any great guard, when you're any great small guard, you're gonna you gotta get you gotta put them guys on their wallet. That was always the thing right. in my what I grew. You gotta put a small guard on his butt once in a while. Get in them and see if that changes things. And it seems like I don't know if that's the case, or maybe or do you think Trey Young's just on a cold shooting streak? Because if I'm the other coach, I'm telling people get in them, foul them as hard as you can without getting uh, uh injury or getting uh like a flagrant. Make him work. You know, but what do you see there? I, I see. I, I agree with you on that take. Um, I think it's it's very similar to like when uh, Steph Curry, kind of like what Cleveland did, uh, yeah. was that 2017? Were they beat him? Yeah. Yeah, 2017. Very yeah. similar. I think you just you just get real physical with him. Uh, yeah. You bump him. You don't – you foul him hard. And yeah. I think at Trey – Trey has an offshoot, but his legs are not as fresh because he's taking that contact every possession. And they're going at him defensively. So he's not taking breaks either on that end either. Uh, and so I, I agree with you. Like, I think getting someone small pesky, get up in him, be real physical with him, bumping him a lot and attacking him defensively, you know, he'll have a 30-point game. Like, you can only maintain Trey. Like, you can't stop him. But you can make him have to really work and have inefficient shooting nights if you just continue to go at him. I think it's very similar to what Cleveland did with Steph, and they were successful yeah. on that. Yeah, for sure. I, I that's what I was looking. If you got a, a guard in the NBA under six two six three, you got you better get. And he's their best player. You better get real physical with them. And you know this has been a great playoff. It's been so interesting so far. There's a lot of balance. Like I said not a lot of dominant team, especially now with Phoenix that being open. You know, right? Booker like. <laughs> Yeah, that, that series is just up and down, and and um, the Pelicans are playing great. I mean, we kind of talked about uh, Amani Bates and, and and how silly the KD comparisons are, and I mentioned I thought, guys, maybe if he's Brandon Ingram, that, that that's a pretty good comparison. I'm not even sure. <laughs> it's really good. Brandon Ingram may be really too good. Like that's R- Really good. Like, like now it's like Amani. Sure you can- that comparison be good either no more. You know right, I mean? and it's like if you can be half of Brandon Ingram, and no, no defense to Monty, like you be half of Brandon Ingram, like shit, you doing a good job, like yeah. <laughs> Brandon Ingram becoming, he look like he's be out to become a superstar. Yeah, yeah. and uh, again, what do you do there as we close up? What do you do there with Zion William? Like, I don't understand the Zion William things. I understand his injury, and I don't want to compare it to any other players, but like, why are we seeing clips of him going through his legs dunking? Like, if he's warming up for. uh uh, you know, he's warming up for an Adidas circuit. Like, I don't understand that. What is that? He's over out of shape and he's dunking in warm-ups. 
And then he's kind of just goofing around on the bench. I don't understand that. What What's going on there? What do you see? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I don't think New Orleans really knows what the hell they want to do with that situation. I think they play that day by day. They're they're just as cool as we are. Hell, like you know, they have to be. They have to be thinking like. Yeah. For me, I was just when I see him, he kind of every time the camera's on him, he's always goofing around. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say goofing. I like he's always laughing, whatever, having a good time, regardless. Yeah. I almost was like, dude, are they just gonna drive his value up and then trade him? Like when when they can, or do you keep yeah. them? Does how how well does he gel with the nucleus that you have? Yeah. You know, does he, does he help you? You know, okay, let's say you get to the second round and you lose, or you get you're they're a first second round team. I don't think they get past second round. Sure. Um, does he make you become a Western Conference Finals Finals player? Like. Yeah. That's what they're going to have to answer, and that's why I don't think they know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Are they uh, are they holding? Uh, is that gonna? How's that gonna affect Ingram's development? Right. Like you know, he's gonna get more shots. You're gonna build a lot of things around Zion. So they got some It's they got some questions to answer. Like you said, I don't think they have the answers right now. They're just gonna ride this core and see how far they can get in this playoffs. And that there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, I'm glad for Brandon Ingram. Obviously, Lakers fans are always. Uh, lamenting about that like oh god we traded a superstar we you know it's happened with lonzo ball now it's happening with brandon <laughs> everything poor chelsea's her team is just in the in the in the gutter in the cellar you know it's just like that's just the way it works and 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 we'll we'll keep following this i think that's going to wrap us up for this week we you know we appreciate bryce fantasia coming on obviously the we're in the deep of the playoffs like i said we're going to continue to talk about uh nil we're going to talk about the portal we're going to bring those up and in, in more detail in the future we're going to talk about the nba draft so be getting ready for that we'll have a like a live draft uh most likely have a live uh kind of like a draft party like we've done in the past you know go over our picks what we like what we don't like and we'll queue up some of the things that have been good of what we've come across in the last few years and we'll keep the pod rolling so we, we appreciate you guys listening in Appreciate you guys watching on YouTube. Continue to watch that YouTube. Tell people, tell your friends. Oh, Ani, we got to get some, you know, we, how we get people. Hey, go tell your friends. We, we need a slogan like like Alpha Beta. Tell your friends. I don't know if you remember Alpha Beta, but it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a supermarket. You know, yes, like, yes, yes. Know. I remember. I remember. Yeah, nice <laughs> we, we, we do need a slogan. Yeah, we need like go see Cal, go see Cal or something like that. You know, don't get a lemon. I mean, those are great slogans. We need something to get people more and more people but we know we do on a real note we do appreciate the people listening in each week on spotify you can find us on itunes again uh make sure you tune in at ballslife.com for our latest uh you know releases we just released uh you know mr basketball usa congratulations to derek whitehead who's going to duke again shop.ballslife.com you can get your one-time discount code if you haven't already use the code p-a-i-n-t-1-5 p-a-i-n-t-1-5 to get Discount on our, our good gear. Ani, have we have we uh have we got you any gear yet or are we still lagging over here? We <laughs> still lagging a little bit. You know, I talked to Brad. I was just like, Brad, uh, you know, he's in Dallas. I said, Brad, I need some gear. He said, I, I got you, I got you. I said, man, just give me like two t-shirts. I know you got like a thousands of them in your house. Like just give me yeah. two t-shirts. Yeah, you know? we'll we'll get you something. We'll try to get you a polo or something you can rock on on uh, out there and on the show. But I think for that, for that, we'll uh, wrap up this week episode. 127. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time, Ani and Ronnie are logging off. Peace.